Hey there, and welcome to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, and I'm recording this in the middle of the Netherlands, in the center of the Netherlands, the beautiful city of Amersfoort, where the weather is so-so, and we're bracing ourselves for another storm. Seems to become uh, something of a, a constant thing in these months. I'm glad that my rectory in uh, the town where I live uh, stood strong in the storm that we had this past weekend. But there is another one scheduled for for Sunday, for this upcoming Sunday. So I'm always a bit wary because the building is 100 years old. And so it means that it has this you know, stone roof or it's got, you know, tiled roof and, and uh, the church is the same. Um, so I'm always a little bit worried that things may uh, may get damaged in the wind. But so far, so good. I was um, I was running on my treadmill uh, the entire Sunday after Mass. I'm, I'm still training for the Marathon of Rotterdam, which is going to take place at the beginning of April, even though I'm not even sure that I'll be able to run it because uh, I, I, it's overbooked. There are too many people that want to run it, so I'm on a waiting list. But I already have paid, so in case I uh, can replace someone else who, I don't know, for whatever reason, stepped out of the race, then I need to be ready. So last Sunday, it was kind of apocalyptic, it was very weird. I was running, I had to run about five hours. It was a very, very long distance. I'm, I'm now in the final month of preparation, so it's a lot of, you know, 20-mile runs, etc. Um, and I was watching... Star Wars Clone Wars on my iPad, which I placed on the, on the, what is it, the console, the, 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 the whatever thing is in front of me where you can type in your, your speed and, and stuff. Um, and, and outside, because I've, my, I have to explain my, my, um, uh, sports room is, is in the attic. Um, and it's one of those old-fashioned kind of spooky attics. It's all wooden, and and so you hear the storm outside. And while I'm running, I, you constantly have this. And it feels like I'm I'm running in a in a in a in a storm, which I actually am. But at the same time, I'm I'm shielded and I'm covered and I'm warm, more than warm. <laughs> but I'm so glad that I put that uh, treadmill up on. Uh, in the attic, because that allows me to run no matter what what the weather does. And so we've got, yesterday we had hail, or was it day before yesterday? In day before yesterday, we had hail and wet snow. Today's pretty similar, lots of rain. Usually the worst conditions for uh, for training for, uh, for a marathon. But I'm so glad I have that treadmill. <laughs> so the only thing that bothers me is that I love to be outside. I love to run through the woods and go on the countryside and because it's just more interesting. Uh, and if you're running in a small, it's just like a small room uh, that is built inside the attic. So there's just this blank, this boring wall in front of me. So I'm very glad that I have internet reception up there so I can watch uh, Clone Wars uh, trying to catch up with... Uh, <laughs> the seasons because i think it's in about two weeks from now the seventh season of clone wars will will go live on disney plus and i want to get ready for it so i can review those episodes for my youtube channel but uh um and anyway sometimes i feel like i'm overdosing a little bit too much on those star wars episodes and i have to say if you're running for five hours um and then 
the only thing, the only stories you hear are these constant political debates on on Coruscant, and uh, a lot of these episodes in the early seasons are a little bit boring, a little bit political. Um, it it gets a bit hard. <laughs> so it's like, okay, one more episode, and every episode, and that's the cool thing, is twenty minutes. So I don't have to look at the clock. I don't have to use my sports watch to time myself because I know that if I if I've watched three episodes of the Clone Wars. I ran for an hour. I know my speed, so I can calculate by the number of episodes that I consume uh, where I'm at, at in, uh, during the race. <laughs> so I'll, I'll have to repeat that um, probably tonight because I skipped my training yesterday um, because I was editing uh, another episode of uh, my documentary about Down Under, about Australia. Uh, I'm currently in the middle of a three-parter that I'm making for TV. So I did two episodes about Australia and I have to start working on my New Zealand episode. That is actually the episode that I'm most looking forward to because New Zealand, when I visited, was that was around springtime. So it was more beautiful than ever. Um, and I went to a lot of places where they filmed The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. So it's, it's, it's just great revisiting all these places. I even went to Wellington to Weta Studios or Weta Workshop where they created the... The, the swords and the trolls and everything that was used in these in these uh, movies. Um, so I'm really looking forward to editing that. But it is a ton of work. And so yesterday I was, uh, I think I was done around 8.30 p.m. And then I had to go home, eat. I just didn't have any energy left to go running. So I'll do that tonight. And uh, I'll go watch myself, watch me some, some more Star Wars. Um, this episode is brought to you thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherodrick. And thanks to them, I can do this work and I can bring you these episodes without advertisements. The only exception I make is to advertise for my Patreon account. And if you want to help and uh, get some perks in return, then I invite you to at least go check out patreon.com slash fatherodrick. And with that, I think I've skipped the news jingle. <laughs> I'll move over to the segment for movies and TV shows. Ah, oh, I totally forgot the Oscars. Um, I didn't watch the Oscar ceremony, but I did look at the winners and the losers. Um, maybe I'll just talk about it at the beginning of this uh, movie segment, because, well, it has to do with movies, right? <laughs> but then I have another movie on Netflix that I want to review. And it's about McDonald's. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So, uh, from what I've heard, the Oscars were quite surprising in the sense that a lot of the... Uh, um, the the forecasts didn't uh, didn't come out, so everybody expected the Joker to win all the Oscars that they were nominated for, and instead they I think the movie only got three, which not not too bad. I mean, got the you know most the best actor award and soundtrack that surprised me. I don't even remember the soundtrack of the Joker, um, maybe because the story was so weird. It just didn't register as being anything special. I personally had hoped that. John Williams would win one last Oscar for uh, for the soundtrack for The Rise of Skywalker. 
one of the few nominations, by the way, that The Rise of Skywalker got. I think only three or four and was completely snubbed. I don't think they won anything. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's Star Wars. Um, they're getting used to it. In uh, Most of the time, the, the movies that do best at the box office don't win any Oscars uh, because it's a different audience, probably. Um, glad to see that this Korean movie won uh, so many Oscars, and I'm very curious to uh, to see it. Um, I don't, I'm not even sure if it's in theaters here, but it will undoubtedly sometime soon end up on Netflix or or Amazon Prime. Um, but it was at least it was something new. It was, it was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, I need to check that out. And that is actually why these Oscars matter. It's not so much that. You know, I want the movies that I've already watched and enjoyed to win because I don't care. I, I, I know which movies I like and what I appreciated. And if I've already seen them, the Oscars are not that interesting, except for confirming maybe that, you know, m- my own judgment on, on these movies. But what I sometimes like is when unexpected movies or unknown movies win. And I was like, hmm, I may want to check that out. And that happened quite a bit in the past where sometimes you would have these unexpected winners. Um, that were actually movies that I would have never checked out had they not won Oscars. So, um, but on the other hand, all these these Oscar ceremonies and Golden Globes and whatever is is becoming less and less important because the the actual uh, the actual evaluation of of these movies and and TV series and music that happens online so much earlier and so much faster and so much more convincingly, I think, thanks to social networks where everyone can give an opinion and. If you look at a site like Rotten Tomatoes, you've got both uh, awards or, or let's say, uh, ratings given by experts, by uh, professional reviewers, and you've got the public's voice. And I always like to go read all the comments, both the positive ones and the negative ones, the professional ones and the, the, the public uh, um, uh, reviews, and usually you get a, a, an idea if something will work for you. Or not. Another website that I that I always check when I, before I go watch a movie and spend my money and my time on movies is uh, Roger Ebert's site. Roger Ebert, of course, is uh, deceased now, uh, but his website is still there, and they've got a pretty good group of reviewers. Um, and they're very well done reviews, very well written, uh, very balanced. I don't always agree, but I always learn something. So, you know. Uh, an Oscar award ceremony is almost redundant, and now that they've gotten rid of the of the hosts of the presenters, um, yeah, why why would people watch it? I think the audience for the shows like that are is on decline, has been on decline for many years. So let me know in the comments if you ever watch these Oscar uh, ceremonies or if you think you know they're worth it or not. And let me also know. If uh, you have tips for review sites or maybe YouTube channels or podcasts that you that you can recommend for uh, for movie reviews. Hey, t- speaking of movie reviews, I'm going to give you a review of uh, a movie that I saw on Netflix. 
Um, and it stars Michael Keaton, Nick Offerman from Parks and Rec- Recreation, almost unrecognizable in this uh, movie, and Laura Dern, who just won an actor for Best Supporting Actress uh, during the Oscar ceremony. Uh, she plays Michael Keaton's wife, and Michael Keaton plays a guy who uh, tries to sell milkshake machines, is kind of a bit of a, a loser. I mean, he doesn't really... Um, he he he's a little bit uh, uh, like every every month he has a different thing that he wants to sell and he always fails at it. He's not a very good salesman. And then one day he he um, comes across a small restaurant in uh, in a small town, and the restaurant is selling burgers for fifteen cents a piece. Those were the days, and he is uh, stunned by the efficiency and the quality of the service. The hamburger restaurant is run by two brothers, um, the McDonald brothers, and uh, they have tried to create several restaurants and didn't work. Um, but the moment um, Michael Keaton's character sees the the efficiency and the quality, he's like, oh, we have to franchise this. This has to become big. And he continues to pester these two brothers with his ideas for, you know, making this a huge national phenomenon. Uh, even sees a picture of um, a modern restaurant that they tried to build uh, a couple of years ago where they used golden arches for to give it a more of a visual appeal. And uh, he latches on to that and is like, that is great uh, branding. Um, and with his guidance and his efforts, he manages to open a few of those franchises. And that becomes uh, the, f- the, f- the first series of McDonald's restaurants. And the rest of the movie tells the story of how these two brothers actually lose control more and more. And Michael Keaton's character um, uh, redefines himself as the founder of the McDonald's brand. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a... There are funny moments. Um, Nick Offerman is great as one of the two brothers. Um, it's very well done. It, it it feels like an art house movie, but it's very entertaining. Uh, Michael Keaton is great too. Uh, and but there is also drama. There is also a sad um, aftertaste, almost <laughs> just like McDonald's, <laughs> because it's uh, a lot of the progression of the of the of the endeavor is is driven by greed is driven by this necessity of the of a keaton's character to prove himself to the world that he is now you know powerful and that he 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 can take this uh, this brand away from the two brothers and and so it ends with basically the 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 brothers even well, I won't spoil it but anyway it's a sad ending for the two brothers and of course a success story for the McDonald's um, franchise as we know it. Uh, it is based on a true story, as you can imagine, um, but it's done, in a ve- I think, in a very good way. It's also uh, an entertaining story. I'm pretty sure that the real story is a little bit more uh, complicated, more nuanced maybe than the version that we see in this movie, but I, I truly enjoyed uh, watching it. Um, definitely worth, worth your time. Um, and it's surprisingly little about fast food <laughs> it's it's more about entrepreneurship about management about you know seeing business opportunities 
Um, and maybe also a little bit of a cautionary tale that in the process of growing a business, um, you shouldn't lose your soul. Um, so maybe Keaton, it's kind of an illustration of what Jesus says. You know, what good is it for a man to win the world and to lose his his life or to lose his soul in the process? That's kind of what you see happening. He is very successful, but in the end, is it worth the price that you pay? He said, he thinks it is. Um, but as a viewer, I was like, I wouldn't make those choices. I would not do that. So interesting moral tale, definitely worth your time. The second uh, series that I wanted to review here, it's a series, not a movie, is Pandemic. And this is a very surprising coincidence that now that the world is in fear of the spread of the coronavirus, um, Netflix is launching a series about a pandemic, about a flu type of, of uh, pandemic and about all the aspects um, of trying to prevent it, uh, the care that is given in many parts of the world, trying to, um, to, to contain um, viruses like this. It's a, it's a very good series, very well produced. It was made long before anyone had heard of the coronavirus. And so it's just strange coincidence that the moment we are dealing with this worldwide pandemic, because that's basically already what it is, and we don't know exactly how it will end and if this can be contained or if this is truly going to go global, um, to have a series that, that does, I think, a terrific job of explaining the difficulties of uh, of dealing with pandemics and, and preventing it and how how uh, it's not a question of if there will be another pandemic but mostly when and what to do and what the world and what scientists and what doctors can do in such a situation so I haven't I've only watched one episode um, there are I think five or six it's a it's a mini series but again very interesting also a little bit frightening because the, the message is also partially, there is not always something you can do. Sometimes, sometimes, especially in, in our connected world where not everyone will be diagnosed with a virus like that. And we have all these people traveling around the world, millions uh, per week. You can't really prevent uh, uh, an outbreak of a virus. Um, but you can at least do what is possible to contain it as much as possible. And th that is what we're currently seeing. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, in a few months from now if the series is um, kind of holds up, if the things that they <laughs> explain, if we've really seen, if, if we've seen that at work in a real pandemic like the current coronavirus. Uh, on a personal note, um, the virus even affected my work more than I thought it would be possible because I was preparing to do a mini-series of three parts uh, about my trip to China uh, years ago. Um, a very, very small portion of that footage was aired in a TV episode um, where it focused mostly on my personal story, the, the story of my grandfather who worked and lived in, in China. But um, I would... I would say 90% of the footage that I shot there was never aired. So I wanted to kind of re-edit that material uh, in a, through a different lens, different story, more of a travel story, more the story of Catholics in China. Um, but 
then we got the outbreak of the virus and China is closed. So it feels it would be very strange to air those episodes on TV when the viewer knows that uh, China is closed, basically, and then there's this disconnect of this this can't have happened uh, recently. So um, I kind of rescheduled that for another time, maybe next season, maybe next year. And instead, I have three episodes that I now have to conjure up out of thin air. Uh, that's going to be a challenge because it's not the best time of the year to go out filming. It's cold, it's dark, um, it's raining, <laughs> storming. So, but anyway... It's, it's a bit of a challenge. Um, that's also the reason that you, uh, you haven't seen um, English versions of my documentaries yet, uh, because I had to, again, focus on the deadlines for my job at, uh, at TV. Um, but it's, it's, not, it's just a little bit of a po postponement. I will absolutely um, finish those international versions of the documentaries it's just that sometimes life gets in the way and these past two months have been pretty uh, complicated let's put it that way <laughs> and with that it is time for The Peculiar Bunch <laughs> Catholics rock Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you're afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And in this episode, I want to answer a question that I got from uh, two brothers who asked me about video games and what is appropriate for Catholics. Man. You guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. You know, as a priest, and I'm not the only one, we sometimes get these very strange questions about what is appropriate for a Catholic, what is appropriate for a priest to do, eat, drink, not do, not drink, not eat, not play... And uh, as you know, I'm a, I'm a geek uh, and, and a priest. I have a, a more than normal interest in geeky things like Star Wars, like Star Trek, science fiction, fantasy, video games, uh, Lego. And uh, especially the video games often, well, often from time to time trigger some people uh, to ask very critical questions. Is this appropriate for a priest to play a first-person shooter game, for instance? Um, and uh, just recently, I, I got a message or a question from two brothers who were following me on YouTube. And they were asking, what games should or shouldn't we play? And what is appropriate? Um, and that is a, that's a tricky question because uh, the canon law... The church doesn't say anything about first-person shooters, about video games, and, uh, and nor should they, I think, because it's part of the things that we can, I think, judge for ourselves. Um, and so that gives leeway, that gives a certain, I don't know, room, space for personal judgment. Um, but I sometimes get criticized by people who think that it's totally inappropriate for a priest to play first-person shooters um, because killing people for fun is evil and so a priest should give 
a good example. Um, to those people, I would say the same as I say to people that uh, attack Catholics or priests for reading Harry Potter or, um, I don't know, playing certain types of sports that are considered, I don't know, shooting, uh, hunting, uh, eating meat, uh, drinking alcohol, all that stuff. There are always, there's always a certain category of people that feel that the need to measure other people's behavior, uh, judge it, um, sometimes openly. And I would say, uh, in general, be prudent with your judgment. Um, and first, also look at your own behavior before trying to measure someone else because the measure that you use for someone else will also be used for you. Um, but also, uh, when it comes to video games, for instance, why do I play video games? Well, very simple. Because I enjoy it. It is a great way to relax, uh, to, I don't know, get rid of some tension. Um, and, and why first-person shooters? Well, I play a whole lot of different games. Um, and they're games. They're, I mean, you would not prevent kids, for instance, to play cops and robbers. Because, well, it's a game. You know, it's not, it's not that these kids are shooting for real at people. And the same is true for video games. It's... Um, it's pixels. It's digital bits. And, of course, uh, th it, it depends on the type of game. Uh, there are games that are way too violent for my taste. I don't like the gory types of videos, like, I don't know, or video games like Doom or zombie games or where people are, you know, wielding uh, chainsaws and that sort of stuff. That is absolutely not for me. Um, but I don't think I can say from a Catholic perspective that you shouldn't play these games. It's just what matters is that you know that it's a game and it's fiction, and the same is true for books. I, I don't think that that reading Harry Potter or even Philip Pullman's uh, books are, are bad for, for Catholics. No, I think you, of course, have to read with discernment, uh, but the fact that you read a story doesn't mean that you agree with it. And I think that's kind of the, the problem sometimes with these people that judge very hastily is that, that they, they, as if if I'm, you know, for instance, I'm currently playing Battlefront 2. Um, that takes place in the Star Wars universe. Sometimes you play the light side where you have to defend the rebels. Sometimes you play uh, the Imperials and you have to defend um, Darth Vader or, you know, the Empire. Um, and the video game itself reflects the kind of war stories that you see in the movies. So, the moment I'm I'm a stormtrooper, then yeah, by all means, I'm going to try to get rid of that rebel scum. Um, just like the story in the movies. The, the only difference is that I'm playing a stormtrooper myself. But does that make me a killer? Does it make me a bad example for people? I don't think so. I think uh, people that are watching streams like that know very well the difference between real life and, uh, and, 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 and video games and know the story of Star Wars. And, well, it's called Star Wars, right? It's not called Star Flower Power or Star Peace. Nobody would watch a story like that. So I'm always a little bit miffed by that kind of commentary. Harry Potter, same thing. I mean, why worry about a kid who loves to read Harry Potter? It's not that all of a sudden that, that children will start to believe in the occult. 
And if they do, then there is something wrong with your education. Then, then you should talk more with your kid uh, because then uh, children, if, if children don't distinguish between fantasy and reality, then that's something that you should focus on. But don't tell kids that they shouldn't read fantasy books. Then you can get rid of basically anything Disney, anything. Life becomes so boring and one-dimensional. Uh, and the same is true for, for, for video games. Um, a, video, a video game needs tension, needs something to defeat. It's a battle. Um, in Star Wars, a lot of the battles that happen there are symbolic ones. They are... It's a, like a fictional world that reflects, kind of shows as a mirror, this is what war does. And in the end, if you know Star Wars, um, and the same is true for Harry Potter as well, you know that these stories are very moral stories, and they tell about the strength of friendship and how evil is not only defeated by, by guns and, and, and uh, X-wings, but also by friendship and by hope and uh well if you've seen the last star wars movie you know that in the end the end confrontation is not a, a laser sword fight it is almost an exorcism um that is that is uh, accomplished in this case by by ray um and it's all about giving your life uh it's about sacrifice as a way to overcome evil so i i always think that attacking uh, or worrying about um, the evil influence of of fictional products or fictional stories um, is way overrated and is unnecessary and is also, in a certain way, um, demeaning because it is supposing uh, that someone cannot distinguish between reality and fiction, um, and and so you you kind of you doubt the wisdom of, of people that are doing this. My, the, the story that I always tell is that uh, years ago, uh, I was playing Halo, um, and I was not even streaming it, but I think I posted something on Twitter that I was frustrated that I couldn't get through a level. And then I get a message from screen name so-and-so. I didn't, didn't recognize the screen name, um, asking if I needed some help. I said, yeah, by all means. Um, and this person was an accomplished Halo player. Well, I jumped online, the other person joined me. Turns out it is this well-known priest who is uh, has this very traditional blog about liturgy, about Latin, church Latin, <laughs> and turns out to be an excellent player of Halo and uh, a sharpshooter that I've never encountered afterwards anymore. And so he guided me through that level, and we were teaming up with two kids, basically, two teenagers, that had no idea that they were teaming up with two priests. <laughs> and that it was like, oh, if these critics only knew that uh, <laughs> what, what happened that day. <laughs> so... Anyway, that's what I wanted to share with you. Um, I don't try to pay much attention, but I also want to reassure these two brothers: um, use your 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 uh, your in, your intellect. Be prudent, of course. And if you if you notice that a game is making you aggressive, or um, if if a certain games, especially these online games, can have very toxic 
online uh, behavior. You may encounter other people if you're playing co-op that are constantly swearing or are very uh, nasty in their behavior. Then I would say that is that may be a reason to step away from that particular game or you know to team up with friends that you know so that you don't get um, that, that you don't seek this toxic environment. On the other hand, if these games give you joy, if you love watching, I don't know, YouTubers or people on on uh, Twitch, you know, playing these video games and enjoying them and having a good time and forging friendships by teaming up together in a game, then I would say those are really good fruits and those are positive things that, you know, I don't, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, so trust your feelings. If you feel that a game is influencing you for the worst and is, I don't know, making you aggressive or uh, tempting you to also copy the behavior of toxic people that are playing that game with you, I would say, well, maybe that may be a reason to step away. And if it gives you joy, if it uh, is, 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 is helping you to spend some great quality social time with friends, then by all means, don't, don't be afraid of it. Well... If you have any ideas about that, let me know in the comments, as usual. Time for some books. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I read uh, a very fun book, very quick read. Um, and a book where I would say the print version is probably more interesting than the version that I consumed, which was the audio version. Um, it's called... Uh, Amazing, fantastic, incredible, a marvelous memoir by Stan Lee and some, you know, ghost writers that helped him write this book. So it is written a couple of years ago when uh, Stan Lee was at the height of his uh, fame, of course, being the creator of almost any Marvel c character that you can think of. Um, and with the success of Marvel, that would be, of course, a great, you know, best-selling book um it's geared towards a younger audience it's clearly written for um well also for adult geeks but but mostly i think for kids um and it's in the typical stanley style it's everything is well as the title says amazing fantastic incredible a marvelous memoir and and so it doesn't really go very deep it's a quick read um there are sometimes hints at more dramatic times in his life um and then he kind of glosses over it. He says, well, but I'm not going to go into that because it's, uh, I don't know, it's not interesting. Let's talk about uh, superhero so-and-so. So there are uh, quite a few missed opportunities in the book to give it more weight. But then again, with the probably the, the target audience of the book, it's understandable that he wants to not dwell on those times in his life. I just wanted to read another biography in which he could expand on these things. I mean, this is this is just a, a a mere shadow of the the book by Straczynski becoming superman that i reviewed a couple of weeks ago which i think is is maybe the the best biography that i've ever read um no kidding i i would read it in a heartbeat again it's uh, was a so incredibly captivating um it's also something that um i've often thought when i saw stan lee or when i saw an interview with him um he almost plays a caricature of himself. 
Um, he is supposed to be Mr. Excelsior, and that's his trademark. But you feel that there is much more of him that you will never get to see because, well, he doesn't want you to uh, and, and just wants to be positive. Um, but, but especially in the later years of his life, um, he's gone through some very, very rough times. He's been uh, mistreated, maltreated by people around him, robbed of his money, taken advantage of. There's, there must be a, a lot of suffering in these last years of his life, a lot of pain. Um, but since he's a public figure and he also represents a certain brand, a certain, I don't know, persona, it's something that I don't think he felt comfortable sharing with, uh, with a worldwide audience. And, you know, I can't blame him for that. Everyone has the right to keep things private. And uh, you don't have to be an open book if you engage in, you know, the world of media. But it still keeps me longing for the other story, the, the story of, of, uh, of uh, Stan Lee when he's not switched on. But still an interesting read. Uh, gives you some backstory on how he came up with uh, some of these his superheroes. Uh, gives you sometimes an insight on what's happening behind the scenes. Sometimes when publishers would take his stuff and then uh, ruin it <laughs> in many ways. He's, he can sometimes be very candid in what he thought about certain decisions that were, take, that, that were taken without him knowing. Um, so in that respect, it was an interesting book. The print version apparently has great illustrations, um, and which add a lot to the enjoyment of the book. The audiobook just has an introduction that is spoken by Stan Lee, and then uh, a, a professional audiobook reader reads the rest of the story. But in you know the type of voice is similar to Stan Lee, so after a while you forget that it's that you're not listening to the to to the real Stan Lee. So interesting book. I um, I, I was listening to it on uh, Storytel, uh, which is a service. I'm not sure if it's available everywhere in the world, but you may take a look in your own country if uh, Storytel is uh, is um, you know on is available where where you live. Um, I'm really, really enjoying my subscription. It's one of the few subscriptions that I don't think I'm going to cancel anytime soon because it gives me the opportunity to do to read books it, when I don't have time to sit down. Um, so uh, when I'm cleaning the house, when I'm running outside, I love audiobooks because it helps me to to work my way through the 52 books that I have committed myself to reading. I'm still ahead of schedule. If you want to see which books I've already read, um, friend me on Goodreads. I'm on Goodreads as Father Roderick. And if you have a Goodreads account, you can send me a friend request and you'll see uh, the books. And I try to write very, very short reviews on Goodreads. I don't want to spend too much time doing it. Um, so, But that may give you some pointers as to which books I appreciated and enjoyed and which one... Not so much. Um, by the way, I don't think I wrote a review of this book on Goodreads, but uh, I have to make take note. Normally, with Amazon Kindle, uh, it automatically uh, sends me to my Goodreads account because uh, Goodreads is owned by Amazon, so it makes it almost automatic for me to to give it a rating and to write a short review. Sometimes with these audiobooks, I I forget. And with that, it is time to quickly visit the world of sci-fi for another book review. This time it is about a science fiction book that I read by the great science fiction author Arthur C. Clarke. 
You may know him from 2001 A Space Odyssey, but he's written countless science fiction books. Not all very good, but uh, some are pretty worth, pretty much worth your time. I see aliens. Little aliens from outer space. And how are things in outer Plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? Go to shape. I mean, you can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We need you! Um... Talking about books, Arthur C. Clarke, Childhood's End. I saw this on sale um, a few days ago. Every day for a while they've had these uh, discounted books by Arthur C. Clarke, some of which are classics, others are not very worth, not very interesting, according to, to the reviews. This one was a story that a lot of people gave high ratings. So at first I wanted to buy it on... Uh, on, on my Kindle, and then I thought, well, maybe they have it on Storytel. Turns out they have a pretty big collection of Arthur C. Clarke science fiction stories. Um, this one was relatively short, a couple of hundred pages, and um, and and the description intrigued me. This is this book is written in the fifties, and it tells the story uh, of alien spaceship, huge alien saucers that all of a sudden are uh, hovering above our main cities, Paris, Washington, uh, Tokyo, you name it. So immediately I'm thinking, Independence Day, this is where they got the idea. They just stole it from Arthur C. Clarke. At first, nobody really knows what these aliens want or who they are. They do contact people on Earth through a proxy, a human-like figure, or just looks like a human being, but very quickly people start to think, well, maybe this is just a pro- projection. Maybe they're, the aliens are very different, uh, and they just don't want to show themselves. Um, so the book starts with this intrigue of who are these aliens and why are they here? What the book then does, and that makes it so interesting, is it skips, a, it skips in time. Every few chapters, you move forward in time, and it's usually, a, 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 you know, 20 years or a generation. So very soon, you're in the future, even in our future. And so you get to what I always love about science fiction, uh, future predictions. And that is where this book became, at one point, very, very funny. Um so, I, of course, I can't give you many details about what the aliens are and why they are here. That's something you'll have to discover yourself. I have to say that that is maybe the least interesting part of the book. Um, the uh, There's a foreword of Arthur C. Clarke where he tries to uh, recall his state of mind and the things that he was interested in at the time when he wrote that book. And, and, and the foreword was written... I think just recently, uh, after the year 2000, in any rate. And he says, well, at the time, everyone in society, also, I was very interested in the supernatural, in the occult, in um, uh, these uh, paranormal phenomena. Um, and he mentions by name, a, I think a German guy who at the time was very famous, did all sorts of television performances uh, that were supposed to be these paranormal demonstrations of his paranormal powers. His name was Uri Geller. And I was like immediately, I know that guy. That was the guy who was bending spoons and could fix clocks, uh, you know, even remotely. Um, 
And I know that at the time, my there was at least one aunt, and I think my dad too, they were like, oh, this is so interesting. This is so fascinating. This may be proof there, that there is more between heaven and earth. In the end, turns out that Yuri Geller was just, uh, you know, a, a, a bit of a magician. A lot of the things that he did were proven to be tricks and and the paranormal uh, effects could not be repeated under, you know, scrutinized uh, circumstances. So, you know, scientifically, um, there was nothing that, um, that he has ever been able to prove. And he's been debunked many times by people who copied his, his tricks. So what I found interesting of the foreword is that Arthur C. Clarke said, well, hey, I, back then I was very much a believer in the paranormal and now I'm really a skeptic. I, I really don't believe it and I'm very much a proponent of scientific, very you know, strong scientific research when it comes to these phenomena. There's almost always a logical explanation. Um, I think it's, it's, it's laudable that someone um, is, is willing to share his own evolution in, in looking at these paranormal phenomena. But in this story, the paranormal does play a role. Um, and that's okay. It's science fiction. It's a fictional story. Um, it's just a little bit, I don't know, towards the end. Um, it, it, it's not a very good story, <laughs> the, the final part of it. At least it, it kept me wanting more. And it's like, okay, it's just not a very satisfying ending. That's all I'm going to say about it. But what is interesting is at one point he's describing the world um, in the future. And he explains that because of the aliens, and this is on the back of the book, so not spoiling too much, uh, thanks to the aliens, the world has become a very happy place. The aliens have made sure that there's no more war. Um, most of the illnesses and viruses have been eradicated. People live a very comfortable life. There's peace on Earth, and there is uh, a lot of, of well-being. And then he describes uh, the effect of, of that almost perfect world on the people at first he says we were thinking well if all our needs are filled and we have enough to eat and there's no more poverty there's no more people don't get ill anymore they still die but it's it's never in in dramatic circumstances there's no more war um, and there is plenty, then, then the world will be such a happy place because people will have all this time to create things to be to um to share positive things. And he says the result of that state of the world is that there is, at one point in the future, there will be this plethora of television content. And people will be able to watch hundreds and hundreds of channels with thousands, tens of thousands of movies and TV series. And no matter what topic, uh, what story, it will all be available. Um, and there will be so many genres. And the result is going to be that people are going to be stressed out because they don't are they are unable to watch everything. They will still feel this need to not miss out on things and to watch every series, but they can't because there are hundreds and hundreds, and there's no way that you could watch everything that your friends are watching. And so you've got this constant uh, fear of of missing out. He's, he doesn't call it like that but what he describes is exactly what we are struggling with today is this fear of missing out because there's this just this unending amount of content that we feel we need to consume and then the other effect that he describes and i think this is super interesting is 
the more people consume these television shows and these movies and they have this unlimited amount of content that they can watch, the less creative they become. The less time they're willing to invest in making and telling stories themselves. And so the film industry is in a rut and nobody's creative anymore. Everybody's just watching TV, just sitting on a, on a, on the couch and just trying to watch binge watch all these series. And th th there's this entire chapter that that describes the situation. I was like, "Whoa, this is the kind of science fiction that I love to read because it all came true. At least that part of the story is the reality in which we live right now. And there's this cautionary element to the way he describes it. It's like, don't let it rob you from your creativity. Which matches a, another piece of advice that I saw in one of those YouTube videos that I'm, that I'm currently uh, following uh, to learn uh, how, to, how to, you know, be more successful on, on YouTube, how to reach a, a larger audience. And it said, well... Don't watch YouTube. Instead, make YouTube content. So don't spend your time watching thousands of tutorials trying to figure out how to be successful on YouTube, but make content. <laughs> Try to have the uh, to balance things out in such a way that you're producing more content than you're consuming. And I thought that was brilliant advice, and it's true also for my own activities. I have to always I have to make choices. So I can't watch everything. I, I wanted to, for instance, I wanted to do uh, in-depth reviews of the Picard series. But then I noticed that, that uh, at least with my current audience, that didn't really work that well. There was not much interest. It was one of the lowest-ranking videos that I produced was about Picard, even though I love Picard and I love talking about it. But maybe not the best thing to do. And so instead of trying to force myself to review every episode, I was like, well, I'll just not do that. And that gives me more time to just enjoy Picard. And maybe I'll talk about it here on the podcast because it gives me a little bit more leeway. Um, but why create, why spend hours and hours of time in creating, you know, the perfect Picard series when it doesn't really fill a need of my audience? Instead, I did a little poll on uh, nowadays you can also post regular messages on YouTube. So I asked my followers, my current followers, what would you like me to do? One option was Picard reviews. Well, that, that only got 12% or something like that. But then one of the other options was doing a deep dive on Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. So a very detailed analysis of the movie. That got two-thirds of my audience wanted to watch that. And so, again, it's like it helps me to decide where I spend my time. And if I'm going to be creative, then I may want to focus on what people actually really want to watch because that is helping them. So I'll not be Mr. Star Trek, at least not for now, until, until I find a bigger audience for that. But I will just focus on Star Wars and try to... Uh, uh, to to record uh, episodes and and it's quite it's quite a bit of work because um, the moment I start to watch Star Wars I have a thousand ideas per second literally there's so much that you can say so I've worked my way I've taken notes now about the first three minutes of the rise of Sky Skywalker and I think I can talk at least a half an hour to an hour about this there is so much already in the opening scroll and in that first uh, scene on Mustafar. Um, and, and a lot of it is symbolic is by studying it and by going doing this deep dive, I'm also 
discovering more of the genius of the, of the, of the story that J.J. Abrams told. So that is something that I think can add uh, my perspective to what's already available on YouTube. And I think I'm better at it than doing a, a Star Trek analysis, which many others are already doing. So again, it's all about choosing. And if I want to keep my life balanced, then I have to pick my battles. I can't possibly review everything. I'll give you little bits and pieces of things that I enjoyed here on the show. I'll do some stuff on YouTube. But the rest, I'll just have to let go for another time. I always remember something that um, the director of the seminary where I studied in Belgium always said. He never went to the movies. He never watched TV. And I blamed him for it. As I was 18 years old, I was like, well, but... The church should be involved in popular culture and should know what kids nowadays are watching. I was that kid. And so um, isn't this just part of, of, of uh, being a priest and being involved in the world to, to take notice of the culture that surrounds you? And he said, well, Father Roderick, I have to make choices. I wasn't father back then. I said, little Roderick, I have to make choices. I, can, I am a teacher I am a university professor. I have to do my research. And if I, can if I have to choose between reading Kant or uh, Heidegger or Thomas Aquinas or watching a movie on TV, I'll still go for Thomas Aquinas <laughs> because that's the thing that I need to do. And you know what? He said, don't worry about it. I will spend the first few centuries of my eternity catching up on all the TV stuff that I missed. So I was immediately imagining him in, in the afterlife, you know, <laughs> in heaven, sitting on a little cloud with a big TV in front of him, try, watching Star Wars and trying to watch all that stuff that Roderick was talking about years ago on Earth. And then it's like, yeah, well, and it, there, is, there is this promise of eternal life that, that maybe now we, ha we always have to choose. But if you have eternal life, then there is... I think that's that's one of the reasons that I don't believe that we're going to be bored in in heaven because we there will be this unlimited creativity and our creativity is a reflection of the creativity of God so we will be surrounded by creativity and we won't have that limit limitation of of time we will be able to spend time on on enjoying other people's creativity and we will have plenty of time to be creative ourselves uh we will be able to go to all the museums. <laughs> I don't know. This, this is just, of course, a human way to talk about heaven based on the categories that we currently have to talk about stuff like that. Of course, the reality of heaven is, in a certain way, eludes us and we, we don't have the words or the theology to, to properly describe it. But that leaves room for, you know, to, to be sur surprised. Um, but I still believe that that creativity that God gifted us with here on earth is still going to be part of our of of who we are in in during the inter eternal life because God created us at his, in his image and if God is a creator then we too are i think going to be creative for all eternity and so yeah we'll be able to catch up on uh, on all those series <laughs> that we can't figure out where to find time for in this day and age. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's gonna say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device. And it's gonna load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built, whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. 
but there is one more thing. There is one more thing that we need to talk about, um, about technology. And uh, today I want to talk a little bit about my podcasting habits. And I'm not talking about creating podcasts, but listening to them. Um, I've noticed that I've, I've fallen into the habit of listening to podcasts mostly when I should be sleeping. And I'm, I'm not sure if I'm the only one, but I usually take my iPad with me when I go to bed. I'm usually too tired to read a book, but then I'm not tired enough to go to sleep right away. So I'm thinking, well, I could listen to you know my, my backlog of podcasts. The, the, the downside of that is, it, well, the upside is it helps me sleep because after 10 minutes of listening to someone droning on about uh, Apple or whatever, I listen to a lot of different uh, types of, of content, I fall asleep. The thing is, the, the, the iPad keeps keeps uh, uh, talking. <laughs> the podcast it doesn't shut up. And uh, the program that I use to listen to podcasts, uh, Pocket Casts, also lines up the next podcast in, in my queue. And it has happened several times now that I wake up in the middle of the night uh, because I'm frustrated. And I'm frustrated, for instance, like the other night, I was dreaming of having a conversation with my brother and he kept just going on about this movie that he had seen and it was this long review. And I was like, he was just going on and on. And I was trying to interject and to have a discussion. But he just was like, I need to keep talking about this movie. I was like, come on. This, we're having, I'm having a conversation with my brother. Let's have a conversation instead of you, you just going on and on about this movie. And then I woke up totally frustrated with my brother. And I was like, oh... I was listening to a movie review <laughs> that was an hour and a half long about a movie that I haven't even seen. <laughs> and so that's where I realized maybe listening to podcasts right before I go to bed is not the best thing the best thing for my the quality of sleep because these the podcast is interfering and that happened several times where I dreamt of 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 trying to converse with someone and that person didn't want to listen and instead was going on and on and on about something and then it turns out it was actually a podcast that was impacting my dreams on the other hand and this may also be the fear of missing out i still keep this having this nagging feeling of oh this podcast has a dot and so it means i have to listen to it and i i'm behind on my podcast just like i'm behind on my netflix queue and on my disney plus queue and on the amazon prime queue and on my reading queue and there's all this pressure of trying to consume everything that i wanted to to read watch or listen to and with podcasts i have the same problem so um i'm now a little bit more radical when it comes to to unsubscribing from series, for instance, when series are, you know, how many political podcasts do you need to listen to? They are all talking about the same stuff. So I need to make choices, unsubscribe from most of them, and just keep the ones that are really interesting. Same is true with movie reviews. Why am I listening to five or six movie review series? One is usually enough. Um... And the moment I unsubscribe, then I don't no longer get that trigger of, oh, well, there is a new episode. You have to listen to it. Of course, I also know that by saying this, I may trigger your finger, uh, you know, to unsubscribe from this show. <laughs> it's like Father Roderick 
just keeps on talking about the same stuff over and over again. You know, he's, he's really repeating himself. <laughs> Let's unsubscribe. But um, it's it's more that I, I, I think sometimes that by listening to podcasts before I go to bed, at least I'm doing something useful with my time, you know. At least I catch up on the podcast. But I'm falling, I think, for the in, in the trap of thinking that an accumulation of knowledge or information is going to make me wise. And that never happens. It's not that by listening to 500 movie reviews, I'm going to be a, a better filmmaker myself. Or that by listening to, I don't know, five or six hours of political content, I'm going to have a better political insight in what's going on in the world. Rarely ever happens. <laughs> and so um, it, it is... I think going to be difficult, but I need to step away from technology in the bedroom. Just leave the iPad to charge in my study room, for instance. Also, same thing with my mobile phone. Now, I, my eyes are getting worse because I'm getting older, so I don't enjoy reading on my phone, but I know that a lot of you actually do that before they go to bed. There's still let's last few you know, videos on YouTube or let me check my TikTok account or um and all that is probably not very very helpful to get a good night's sleep and at the other on the other hand we're still like but but if i can't sleep then i want to listen to a podcast so sometimes i wake up in the middle of the night especially when i am stressed about something like uh not this past night but the night before uh before last night i was stressed because i had only one more day to finish my second Australia episode. And I had only been able to mo to edit seven minutes, which means that I had another 18 minutes that I had to edit in one day. That is a lot of work. And so probably because that was still in the back of my mind, I couldn't sleep. So I wake up at one o'clock, I wake up at two o'clock, and I wake up at three o'clock. And... And then I can't go, I can't fall asleep anymore because I'm, in my mind, I'm already editing the episode, which is a very annoying habit of mine to do the work while I'm sleeping. And then I wake up and I still have to do the work again. So I was, um, I, I, I needed something like a pacifier to calm down my creative brain. Um, and so I started to listen to podcasts. And, and, but that too prevented me from sleeping. So. I don't know what to do. I sometimes have these nights where I I feel like I'm just lying there and I can't sleep and I feel that I need to do something useful. I can't just try to go back to sleep. Am I the only one who's struggling with that? If you have any tips, let me know. I've tried a lot of tricks. The, the, the best way for me to prevent this from happening is doing two things. Making sure I don't have these deadlines anymore. So getting rid of stress in my life and the second one is making sure i get enough physical exercise because the, the night after i ran 23 miles on the treadmill upstairs i slept like a baby <laughs> so maybe that's a trick i should just you know try to avoid what's bad for me in general and then my sleep will get better automatically hey thank you so much for listening to this episode hope i didn't waste your time that much that you have to unsubscribe <laughs> and if you want to support my work check out patreon.com slash father roderick also make sure you're subscribed to my youtube channel over at father roderick see you next week <laughs>